of the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And boy, are they starting to get messy now in the Christian Reformed Church after this past synod. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. And for the next few months, we're going to focus particularly on delegates from this past synod to talk about what just happened and where we might be going in the future. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. We also want to say we feel so blessed by everyone who sponsored us on Patreon. We've had some really generous donors lately, and we are so thankful. And we're getting really close to our goal of 20 sponsors at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com backslash The Messy Reformation. We've also created a Facebook page where we're putting out additional content, and we'd love for you to find us there at facebook.com backslash The Messy Reformation. Like our page for more updates. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of Synod Reflections by Daryl DeClerc. So, Daryl, why don't you kick us off? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and uh, the church you're serving. Thanks, Jason and Willie. Yeah, I appreciate being on the podcast here. It's an um, exciting opportunity. You guys uh, present to a number of us here, and uh, good day to your listeners as well. Um, yeah, I'm Daryl DeClerc. I uh, grew up in Ontario, uh, Canada, being a, a lifelong member of the Christian Reform Church for 45 years now. I just had my 45th birthday last week and celebrated it by going to the Blue Jays game in Seattle with uh, our, our my wife and uh, two of our three kids. And uh, our kids are now um, 19, 17, and 13. So two daughters, older daughters, and a son, uh, Levi. And so, yeah, it's been exciting uh, journeying so far in ministry. Really appreciated uh, growing up in a Christian Reform church in Ontario, Dunville, uh, at the end of the Grand River, the Niagara Classis, and uh, just on the North Shore of Lake Erie, we could look across when we went swimming uh, at uh, the beach there and see the states over yonder. And I always kind of wondered, you know, God, am I going to land up in the states someday? And I really wanted to study business, and I did uh, uh, for my undergrad. And uh, that's not ended up not what ended up uh, bringing me to the states. Turned out uh, after studying uh, business for three years, I, I was way more interested in the campus ministries, uh, thanks to the Christian Reform Chaplain at uh, the University of Western Ontario in London. And uh, so then my, yeah, that, that was an indication that the uh, Lord might be giving me a, a good uh, hard turn over into ministry from business and then landed at Calvin Seminary. And so that was the way that I ended up uh, living in the States for four years, three in Michigan and one in Iowa, uh, served a fantastic church uh, in Cedar Rapids uh, under Doug McLeod, a fantastic mentor in my young years. And then uh, back to Grand Rapids uh, for the last year. And then uh, served a couple of churches in Ontario 
Barry, first CRC in Barry, and then Jarvis, uh, uh, Ebenezer Christian Reformed Church, uh, south of Hamilton. Uh, again, not far from the Lake Erie shoreline. And then uh, three and a half years ago, moved out to BC here. And now we are in the Okanagan Valley, uh, which is about five hours inland and uh, a rich uh, apple growing region, uh, lots of uh, cherries and peaches. And yeah, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful valley here and uh, kind of a vacation destination for a lot of people from Alberta and BC as well. So yeah, wonderful little uh, church to serve here, a couple hundred of us. And uh, yeah, um, I'm blessed to be in ministry um, these 15 years. Yeah, amen. Now, you said you got into campus ministry. How did, how did you get into campus ministry? Right. Well, as I mentioned, I was studying business, and uh, that was a bit of a, a ship to Tarshish uh, experience for me, because even in high school, people had suggested that I uh, angle toward ministry, but I, I really resisted that. And uh, unfortunately, the sinfulness of my own heart was a part of that. And so in my first year at university, I was um, what you might call a bedside Baptist with Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets uh, every Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, I was not interested in uh, pursuing a walk with God, uh, my, my Christian faith, uh, but I really hit, um, uh, hit, hit a tough wall uh, coming to terms with my own depravity and ended up uh, getting involved then, thankfully, uh, in a kind of spiritual renaissance, not just for myself, but for the campus ministry uh, on uh, University of Western campus, uh, a, a tour, uh, the, um, the, the chaplain there was a fantastic uh, fellow, Mike Bima, and uh, he helped a number of us grow into some leadership opportunities and then, yeah, uh, helped us spur a good group of 15 or 20 of us uh, who were a real encouragement for each other during our remaining years there. And so that was, yeah, my experience in campus ministry as a lay leader. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I always love hearing those kind of stories, you know, how God grabs a hold of you and then puts you under a mentor, right? And that mentor kind of walks you through and helps you. Sounds like he helped you develop your call to ministry and kind of the future direction of your life, right? Yeah, that's for sure. And then thankfully, I could opt out of that business degree after three years. And uh, then I did a fourth year of undergrad at um, Redeemer, uh, just doing the pre-seminary things. And, you know, when I got to Redeemer, um, a smaller school of, uh, yeah, maybe six or 800 at the time, uh, it's grown since. But uh, yeah, people would tell me, uh, you know, I was coming in as a fourth year student, they were like, boy, uh, you're getting the impression that you're quite a snob. And I thought, oh my, like sheepers, that's not the kind of impression I want to create, obviously, with fellow believers and a good small school. And you know, I was used to going to a school of 30,000 people where, yeah, when you're walking down the hall, you just mind your own business, eyes straight. But, you know, at a smaller Christian school, like you lock eyes with almost everybody you're passing and you give them a friendly nod, and, you know. So anyway, I just needed to kind of acclimate myself back into good Christian community. So, yeah, it's funny. I uh, so I have that, too. I'm your typical like Midwestern country boy. And so everybody you meet, you kind of wave at you you know, you look, look at them. And I remember uh, going with one of my classmates on a Turkey, we went to Turkey in Greece. And so I forget which town we were at, we were at a really big city in Turkey. And I was walking down the street, 
looking at everybody, waving at them. And they all kept looking at me funny. And my buddy's like, you can't, you don't do that in the city. Stop. Just, just put your head down and walk. And I was like, what? I'm just trying to be friendly. <laughs> yeah. different cultures. So I've been there. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not necessarily, I, yeah, I was being looked at as the weird guy. So, um, but yeah, so then you, so then you said you went to seminary at Calvin, right? Yep. That's right. So did, did you do that residential then? I suppose. I, I, yeah, I lived on campus there. Um, we had just got married a year earlier and had our, um, our first, our oldest uh, daughter and then moved there shortly after. And uh, we were in the Sigma building just across from uh, the Beltline, uh, for those of you who can picture it. And uh, the, these buildings had um, uh, walls that you could hear each other doing dishes on either side. And so uh, some of our, our great friends, uh, Steve and Christine Terpstra, uh, he's now serving in uh, Borculo CRC in, in West Michigan there, but they were across the, uh, the way from us. And I was able to, yeah, we, you know, we would put the baby monitors in each other's houses and, uh, you know, kind of keep an ear out for our own kids while we enjoyed games together and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was great, great opportunity for fellowship, not to mention networking across you know, with classmates and, and uh, yeah, just having a string of great people that we got to know, you know, uh, in the intervening years in ministry, I've been involved in uh, the campus ministry leadership teams, uh, otherwise uh, old, formerly known as student fund committees. And uh, I, I've often encouraged people, you know, angling towards seminary, you know, try to aim, if you're going to be, know you're going to be committing to the Christian Forum Church, try to aim for Calvin, if you can at all do it, because it really is fantastic to to steep yourself in uh, the culture of the CRC, make some friendships, you know, get, get along with, with people that you're going to be serving with in other classes, have a point of connection with, uh, you know, uh, older ministers who have been there as well and, and future ones too. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I've had a similar blessing from going through Calvin as just the, yeah, you can call it networking if you want, you know, or just friendships. I mean, I, one of the things that, yeah, I, because of my connection through the seminary and, and because I was part of the, so I was part of the distance program. And so we had people flying in from, you know, all four corners of the United States and Canada for classes. And so that means I naturally now have really close friends in all four corners of the United States and Canada and everywhere in between. Cool. And uh, it's really cool to be able to like anywhere I go, I can connect with somebody that I went to seminary with in, in a lot of ways. And so that's been a, yeah, it's been a really huge blessing. And I know, you know, especially the more conservative wing in the CRC has been probably a number of them have been avoiding Calvin and have been going to other seminaries and then coming in through the EPMC. But I have a feeling that they probably struggle to feel connected in the CRC because you don't have that kind of natural networking or you just have to work a lot harder to get that networking done. Yeah, that's well said. And uh, at the time, and I can imagine now in, in uh, at least certain, certain with certain of the profs, yeah, I was really blessed by, you know, some of those pro professors there, uh, Dr. John Bolt, uh, Jeff Wyma, uh, yeah, John Cooper, uh, Ron Nidham. Yeah, there, there were some really solid profs. I was very blessed by and, and challenged by. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, oh, what was your overall? Where, where do you start and stop? Anyway, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, was your overall experience at Calvin? Would you say it was positive? Did you have a good feel there? I did, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Neil Plantinga had just started there uh, as president at the time. And uh, one of the positive things that he did was uh, regulate how much work students were required to do uh, by implementing a reading plan uh, that uh, factored in how many pages uh, each professor was requiring of the students. And then, uh, yeah, being able to regulate that allowed for us to feel uh, that work-life balance that is very crucial in ministry uh, for fostering healthy family life, uh, not to mention a well-rounded social uh, uh, and parenting life. So, yeah. Yeah, amen. Well, I want to transition now a little bit, and uh, I want to talk about uh, Synod just for a little bit. This, you know, everybody's still talking about Synod and We'll be talking about Synod for a little bit. Um, and so you were a delegate at this past Synod. So do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what role you played at Synod and then maybe what advisory committees you uh, advisory committee you served on? Well, sure, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're uh, talking about my role with a wink in your eye uh, as the <laughs> sergeant at arms, but uh, you know, one of the more comical roles at Synod, of course, where you're responsible for rallying people back to uh, to the floor of Synod uh, in part to keep things rolling. And now, obviously, this Synod, uh, that was crucial because of the need to process so much. Um, but to be honest, because of the significant uh, weightiness of a lot of the matters, I found, uh, yeah, people weren't uh, as inclined to dawdling as they might otherwise been. And so, yeah, I didn't uh, choose a shepherd staff this time. Uh, but a water gun because we were going through a heat wave at least through a, a few of those days. And so with a, with a bit of a nudge, you know, uh, yeah, some people uh, uh, may have gotten wet if they hadn't heated uh, the, the, the original warning, but everybody was pretty motivated, like I say, to get back to sessions. And so, yeah, uh, it, you know, that, that was that was fun. But uh, it, there's some irony in me getting the role because, um, as my wife would say, you know, I'm chronically tardy. And so I, maybe they cho choose the, the person who would be most chronically tardy in order to get him to be there on time, not to mention everybody else. So I was yeah. going to say, at, well, there was one point, um, and I'm going to give it away, but you're in my advisory committee and yeah. you were late to the meeting and your water gun was sitting out and I almost grabbed it and went after you, but I just figured <laughs> I would wait. Uh, I would have deserved it. That's true. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah, like, like you mentioned, I was involved in advisory committee three uh, with the oversight of Calvin Seminary, Calvin College, um, uh, and uh, the candidacy committee. And so yeah, it was a natural fit because I served in uh, on the candidacy um, committee uh, at least for one year uh, for an evaluatory process, not to mention those campus, oh, sorry, those um, classes ministry leadership teams. <clears throat> and so I was uh, conversant in some of the issues and so on. Uh, yeah, I found it to be an engaging process. It was my first time at Synod. Uh, I kind of have kept a low pro denominationally speaking, uh, chairing a few classes committees here and there and classes itself uh, since moving to BC. But yeah, to be honest, um, I, I was really blessed by seeing how the wheels of the denomination work uh, at the uh, widest level. And uh, yeah, the expediency, but the diligence that these committees uh, engage with uh, all of the issues. 
And then of course, uh, the, yeah, the sense of camaraderie that you end up developing with people who are there and not just people you knew before, but new folks as well. I mean, yeah, I have only just met uh, you and Willie at Synod. And so, yeah, there, there's a, a great connection that I felt uh, in just being together in the crucible there, having to make some of the decisions that we needed to. Yeah, amen. Yeah, so what, just kind of thinking about this previous Synod uh, gathering, uh, what were some of the things that that happened there that uh, were really encouraging for you? Right. Well, in a similar way as classes meetings, when the ministry agencies present and um, you get a, a, a bird's eye view on some of the things that they're up to, uh, you know, at Synod, for instance, we'd see videos of World Renews work or Resonate and so on. Um, it's always encouraging to me, and, and I always try to pass some of that along to our congregation after uh, uh, meetings of classes or now synod. You know, it's always encouraging to me to see what God is doing around the world and in our own backyards through our collective ministries. And so, yeah, that synod was no different, um, including and in being able to, to hear and meet people, individuals, you know, and, and find out, yeah, uh, how, you know, the, the depth of, of pastoral wisdom uh, and the intelligence that they bring to their comments uh, to the floor of Synod, uh, I was really thankful. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, people that may uh, have, uh, I may have agreed with that Synod, but, you know, as well, people uh, who I uh, would have found myself on the opposite side of the table of on some matters. And so, yeah, I just, I love seeing the depth and breadth of the Christian Reformed Church, which is, I suppose, a reflection of what I've experienced um, when I, since I've been knee-high to a grasshopper from the Dunville CRC on through the ones I've uh, been blessed by as a student uh, at seminary and, and on to the three churches I've served too. It just, there's, there's so many amazing people moved by the Spirit of God uh, in the grace of Christ doing transformative kingdom work uh, and not just in the church, but well beyond. And so that's what I love about Synod, and I'm always encouraged by uh, by that. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's just a real beauty, I think, in and like you, you use the word collective wisdom, right? I, and and it's not even just collective wisdom. I mean, the collective wisdom is beautiful when we're trying to make decisions, but there's this uh, collective. I don't know. It's the body of Christ, really. You have you have arms and legs and ears and mouths and you just have all these different gifts and talents and person personalities and they all come together and you can see us working together right and uh there's there's just a beauty to it i and i remember telling willie i met a number of pastors who i was just laughing because i'm like oh he reminds me of so and so that i used to know way back when and he was kind of an oddball and this guy's kind of an oddball but i love him you know he's great he's got different he thinks differently he's got different perspectives and and uh, it's just kind of like this family reunion kind of a event which is it's really great yeah that's for sure yeah, yeah. I, I was also impressed with the leadership uh, that was exhibited uh, Jose Reyes uh, was was profoundly uh, humble in different uh, circumstances, uh, even in you might describe what uh, what was Synod's most tense moment. Uh, he he broke down and and apologized. You know, if he had overstepped his bounds in allowing this or that, and uh, I just thought the character that he brought uh, and uh, 
Uh, and, and before that, uh, of course, Derek, you know, Bukema, uh, the, the, the clarity and, and uh, precision that he brought to guiding the, the crucial conversations, I was uh, so thankful for. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I thought, yeah, both of those men did a really good job leading us through some pretty tense, difficult, weighty stuff. And we, I felt like we were able to wade through it well because of their leadership, right? Because of the way they led, we were able to have this conversation and the conversation was done. You know, I keep reiterating this with everybody, like 95% of the conversation was really good, healthy discussion, right? There was some 5%. And of course that always gets all the attention that that wasn't necessarily great and, and wasn't always productive, but 95% of it was really good and a good conversation, good back and forth. And uh, yeah. And so, and that's because of their leadership because they just walked us through that. They kept a good solid tone and, and really did a good job of expressing the weightiness of the matter that we were dealing with, but also like the time that we had to get through it in and, and trying to figure out where to go quickly and where to slow down. And yeah, they did a great job. I was really happy with what they did. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the benefits of that is that um, it takes a bit of the, of the uh, air out of the balloon uh, of concern that we all shared that uh, there might not be adequate process or uh, adequate opportunity for respectful dialogue and so on. Um, but yeah, there were not, uh, you know, folks from beyond uh, the, the, the range of delegates uh, who were allowed in the space, um, but they were still represented well by those uh, who were uh, delegates and elected uh, properly so. And so, yeah, I, I'm thankful and, and hopeful that, you know, even for those uh, for whom this synod was deeply disappointing, that they at least feel that the opportunity uh, for all the issues to be on the table, uh, aside from personal stories, which you know could go on forever and ever, but uh, yeah, that that the, the the depth of theological, pastoral, uh, and ecclesiastical wisdom was brought to bear on the conversation. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think, oh, go ahead, Willie. Well, yeah, no, I was going to piggyback off of that. Yeah, that was well said. I think everything was really well facilitated too. Uh, Daryl, my question for you actually has to do with not the 95%, but actually the 5%, um, even the, the the tense moments or the more unprofessional moments. Uh, how do you think those were handled also by by the leadership of Synod, by the officers? Yeah, um, that's important to, uh, to clarify. And I have uh, caught up on a little bit of the news uh, since then uh, where, yeah, at least one person uh, was censured. Um, uh, for some of the, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the implication uh, that was made that uh, the Christian Reformed Church has blood on its hands, for instance, right, uh, because of our position. And I think this, um, the, the, the officers uh, were appropriate uh, to address that uh, because that is such a profound uh, accusation um, that may or may not be substantiated. Um, and uh, if, you know, I, I, we could get into the weeds on that one, but, um, you know, I, I think what that does is open up, um, yeah, even legal uh, complications and arguments uh, for a decision that, uh, that is best made uh, spiritually, theologically, rather than uh, bringing in a whole other field 
of concern uh, and to be honest, um, uh, a field of, of, of censuring uh, to, to, to bring in a legal accusation of blood on his hands, so to speak, and whether that was meant figuratively or, or legally speaking, uh, you know, is, is maybe up for grabs too. But, you know, when I think of that, that uh, particular circumstance, uh, then, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful again for the way that the officers handle that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, and I'll jump in too and say I was thankful for the way that they handled, you know, at the very end, there was another tense moment, right, Um, where a delegate had stood up and asked for special discipline to be taken, and that got really tense, and people were, um, and again, the the officers, I thought, handled it well, and, uh, and, and understood the that on the one hand, it was out of order to, to make that statement, but also that there was a weightiness. To, I don't know. That, again, you could just see their demeanor that they were like, oh, this is so heavy, right? Um, but we need to do this properly. We need to do all this in order. And so, you know, come people coming from either side of the issue kind of stepped out of line occasionally and they, they handled it well. And uh, I think we've mentioned on the podcast too that you know, at one of our meetings, one of the guys who felt like he had kind of stepped out of order in one of his comments got up the next morning at Synod and confessed and repented of that in front of everybody and forgiveness was offered him and reconciliation happened. And so there was, you know, so much beauty in all of that where it's sad that a lot of the conversation gets stuck on these, you know, smaller conversations that uh, maybe reconciliation didn't quite happen on, but there was a lot of other really good stuff that happened. Yeah, that's true. And thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, that uh, the one delegate um, who may have, uh, you know, from from a heart for truth for God's word, uh, you know, may have, uh, yeah, brought some uh, unfair assumptions uh, of another church uh, to bear uh, on deciding who would be the next uh, uh, host of synod. But then there was also another uh, apology uh, for someone laughing along with, um, yeah, maybe a more lighthearted a comment that a delegate made on pornography and, and his former use of that. And so I was, uh, yeah, very thankful for the way that those humble moments were able to lead us into recognizing that these aren't just issues for other people. And uh, these are, are issues for all of us, you know, to, to be challenged by and, and, and blessed by each other's repentance. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and I think that's just one of those beautiful things, again, that happens when you get together face to face and and try to talk issues out, that you you put a face and a personality to it. I, I mean, I've just noticed this over the years that when I've gotten into conflict with somebody and you're you haven't met face to face, like your brain starts spinning and then you turn them into this evil whatever, right? And that, oh, they're this and they're this and they're that. And then when, by the time you finally sit down to hash it out, you realize, oh, they're not as bad as I've made them out to be in my head. Like all of that kind of gets washed away and you get to really get down to the, to the nitty gritty of what, um, what's actually at issue. And I really felt that at Synod that there had been all this, I mean, there was still tension at Synod, but, but there had been a lot of mischaracterization uh, from both sides about what was happening. And then here we get to send it. Now we meet face to face and we're able to talk face to face. And a lot of the mischaracterization left just kind of disappeared out of the air. And we really were able to get down to kind of brass tacks and, and really the core issues that we had to talk about. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, in Matthew 18, Jesus says, uh, for somebody who sins against you, you go and show him his fault just between the two of you. And yeah, there is a, a go command there. Uh, and so I, uh, we, we picked that up actually in our first uh, year, uh, no, on, on the internship that I was in Iowa there, uh, my wife and I thought that this other couple in the church for sure had something against us. We didn't know what it was, but they just seemed cold shouldered and so on. Uh, anyway, at one point, finally, we just invited them over for dinner and it turned out to be the nicest couple, you know, I, whether there had been anything or not, we never brought it up with them. Uh, but it was just it, it, any whatever negative tension there might have been just dissipated. And uh, they were the couple who we got Christmas cards from uh, for years after. Uh, it just, yeah, because they appreciated that little gesture of hospitality. So, which, you know, is uh, what happened at Synod then together it was a bit of a macrocosm for how the, the denomination and each congregation is going to have to play out uh, in processing the results of the decisions of Synod. And maybe that's a you know an area you want to head to uh, next, or uh, you got a few other questions in mind yet. But anyway, yeah, no, we can we can go right there. I was just going to amen that. I literally right before we had this podcast, I was talking with people and uh, talking about the importance of having not not only just face to face conversation, but but just real honest conversation in order to have healthy community. And, uh, and so that's, uh, one of, you know, our churches, our churches and our classes that I was dealing with a classical renewal thing. Um, when there's an issue, everybody tries to dance around the issue and not like, well, I think this is an issue, but we don't really want to say it cause we don't want to offend somebody. And, and, uh, and then we'd never talk about it. And that's just super unhealthy. Right. And that happens in churches too, where we're like, I think this person has a problem with me, but we're just going to dance around it and never address it rather than like you said, go and, and talk to them. And when we don't have those conversations, um, it, things fester and they just turn out to be a mess. And so I think, I think that's probably been happening a little bit in the CRC for a while, right? We haven't been really having some of these um, pointed, clear conversations. I don't think they have to be mean, but they can be clear on where we stand on things. And we hadn't done that for a while. And so this was a good, I felt like we were able to do that. We had really clear conversations. And I think, like you said, uh, and if you can agree and you can build on this, but moving forward, I think churches um, need to start having those same clear conversations as well, kind of moving out of this. Yeah, for sure. I know when classes meetings were only on Zoom for a little while there, at least in uh, BC classes, BC Southeast, um, you know, our church didn't want to, uh, float our um, our balloon, uh, whether or not people supported the uh, human sexuality report or not. Um, but we had written an overture, and uh, so when the when the first in person opportunity came, uh, you know, only uh, what was it four months before synod uh, at our classes meeting, then we put out our overture in support of the HSR, and and then that became a face to face conversation that we had in our classes, and uh, there was a majority that supported uh, our overture. Um, but it brought out the conversation in, yeah, uh, uh, a guided way, obviously, in a synod context and a classes context. And, um, yeah, in a way that allowed, yeah, the range of voices in our classes to, to be heard. And so, yeah, it'll be very interesting moving forward how it's going to play out at the classes level. 
That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for part two of Synod Reflections with Daryl DeClerc. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.